Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. Today's guest is Anya Hovde. Anya, welcome to Parently. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And I nailed it, didn't I, Hovde? You did. You did. You got the name <laughs> perfect. Good job. <laughs> Pat on my back. It's all uh, downhill from here. Uh, Anya, I'm I'm excited to have you on. We have a lot of interesting things to talk about, but let's just start with a little bit of background about you. Tell me about you. Where did you grow up? Where do you live now? Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in northern Minnesota in Cloquet, just outside Duluth. Um, and now I live in Anoka, just the northern suburb of Minneapolis. And significant other children, mm-hmm. pets, siblings. Who do you want to tell me about? <laughs> yeah. Um, I... Well, I married my high school sweetheart from Cloquet, Um, and so uh, my husband's name is Dustin. I have two boys that are um, seven and nine. My nine-year-old actually turns 10 in just a few weeks, which is so crazy. Um, Wow. Yeah. What has been your favorite age so far? Oh, that's a good question. Um... Honestly, I always like asking because everyone has a different opinion. I am I am really enjoying right now. It's a really it feels like a sweet spot because they're old enough to do a lot for themselves. Um, it's just easy, and mm. I feel like it's kind of right before we kind of hit this tween and puberty, like which is like just scary to think about so (laughs) I feel like right now is like this really nice time of like my kids aren't just super hard and challenging like toddlers can be um and yeah so it's 
right now, honestly, has is a really, really good age. If the That's kids awesome. aren't this age yet, it's it is it's nice. I have another question about high school sweethearts. I wonder <laughs> if you get this often or I'm sure I'm sure people ask you questions, but I'm so I've always thought that that's obviously adorable. And then I think about like what I was like in high school and how much <laughs> I've just changed as a person. And so I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, how did that, did you guys just change together? Were you just very like offered each other a lot of grace while the other was changing? Like how, how does that work? Like the person that you started dating has to be like a very different version today, right? Yeah, I, I guess that's a really good question. Um, I would say we both changed a lot together um, because we were experiencing life and growing up together. And so um, looking back, yes, we've definitely changed. I'd say we're, you know, our kind of core personalities are the same, but um I think just because we did it, we did it together and we both have changed and grown a lot. And I think the fact that we both have uh, has worked out in our favor to it just make our marriage still work and us still enjoy being together. I think since we both changed at the same time and it wasn't just one of us drastically changing um, is how it just has kind of worked in our favor since we both have grown and changed together. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, you know, literally everything about each other. You you grew up together. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's really special with the history of our families. I mean, we've been together longer than we were ever apart. Um, and so it's it's like his family is my family. It's just wow. you're so you're so fully in with their with the family and like extended family too. You know, his cousins feel like my cousins. It's just. Uh, you know, it's really great relationship. That's awesome. Okay. Anya, I asked you on today to talk about um, something specific. So you have, you have two sons and you have one with cerebral palsy, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Which, which one is it? Your older or your younger? My younger son, my seven-year-old. You're younger. Okay. Let me start with just um, some really general questions. I don't have any personal uh, experience. So I am curious, mm-hmm. what what is cerebral palsy besides something that's difficult for me to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, cerebral palsy. It is. Uh, you can say CP. That's what I shorten it to if you want to. Oh, perfect. One. I'll be using yeah. that for the rest of the episode. Yes, CP is, is much easier. Um, so it's a, it's a neurological disorder that's caused by brain damage. Um, usually in utero or during childbirth. It's really a big umbrella term, Um, you know, kind of similar to autism in that it can look very different between a lot of different kids. However, there's more, it's easier to diagnose. It's, um, there is some typical characteristics, but really it's from a, it's a brain injury um, that affects um, motor functioning, motor planning, it can affect speech and oral cognitive skills. Um, and that can kind of look different for everybody. So do you, uh, do you always know the brain injury that, that caused it? Or is it possible that you wouldn't even have known that your child developed it? 
Yeah, so that's a good question because we actually don't know the cause of Dawson's CP. Um, oh. A lot of times they do. They can kind of, you know, with science these days, they can kind of figure it out, investigate, um, no kind of pinpoint a time that it happened if there was just anything that happens traumatic during a pregnancy, like an injury or something can cause it. Um, but really one thing that can cause it that they think probably is what happened to me, but is kind of hard to know is if you have any type of infection or illness, um, it can affect the baby's development. And so that's kind of what they're assuming probably in my second trimester um, based on like his brain growth and where the damage is. And they, they did an MRI um, to find this out when we got the diagnosis. And so that's kind of what they're assuming, but we don't actually fully know. Um, mm. if it, it could be possible if we did some more scans, um, they might be able to find out more at some point if we do another MRI. Um, but we don't really have a definitive answer as to what happened. That has to be a, a strange feeling. Yeah, it's it's something I don't think about too much anymore, honestly. But I had a really hard time with that at first after mm. the diagnosis, because at first they were kind of like, well, maybe something happened during the delivery. Um, and so then I, of course, started blaming myself of like, oh, my gosh, my, epi my epidural, maybe he was like, didn't come out fast enough or something. Um, yeah. And so I kind of had a hard time with that. And then when they like revisited the scans and kind of learned more, they're like, no, we think this happened during second trimester. Um, no way to really know exactly right now what it was. And I, it took me a while, but now I've really kind of come to peace with that. Um, we didn't want to have more children. You know, I think if we did, I probably would have pushed, <laughs> I don't know, to really tried to go, go down that rabbit hole, but yeah. um it's something I've come a lot more to peace with um, since it's been a long time. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about when he got the diagnosis, what, like, how, how does that work? Are there symptoms? Mm -hmm. Is it something that is just routinely like tested for? Like, how did you determine his diagnosis? Yeah. So uh, he was diagnosed when he was 10 months old. Um, and what happened was we had, no, I didn't, we didn't suspect anything at all. Um, he was sitting up on his own, but he wasn't, he wasn't really close to crawling at all. Like he could roll some, but not much. Um, okay. But, you know, he was like kind of meeting those, those milestones at least. Um, and what happened was my mom's friend um, was visiting and she's a doctor and was playing with him and she noticed he was favoring his right hand when he would grab toys he would mainly reach with his right hand okay. um and she was like you know babies aren't supposed to be favoring uh, a hand at this point in their life and i was like what okay i had no idea i didn't even really notice he was favoring his right yeah, hand right. um it just, it was not something you think about really, because it wasn't very, it wasn't super obvious. Um, I think in, she was, she's just kind of that way of really observing um, kiddos since she's a doctor. And um, so she was like, you know, it's just worth bringing up to your pediatrician, you know, whatever. So 
I made an appointment right away. I wasn't even that worried about it because I was like, oh, well, this has to be nothing, like no big right. deal. Um, and so we went to the pediatrician and she kind of checked him over. She's like, well, I'm not noticing anything, but if you think he is favoring his right hand, I, I am going to refer you to Gillette Children's Hospital um, to neurology so they can check him out because that's where they do this stuff. So I was like, okay. So I called Gillette like the same day. They like get him in the following week. I still am like, this is no big deal, whatever. Um, and I didn't even go to the first appointment with the neurologist because I had a work meeting that in hindsight could have easily been rescheduled, but I just was like, whatever. And my husband had the day off. So he's like, no big deal. I'll take him. So he goes and meets with the neurologist. He observes him. He noticed like the, the, that his right hand's a lot stronger than his left. And he, um, scheduled us for the following week for an MRI because he was concerned about a brain tumor um, because he said this could be there could be something going on here we need to find out what it is um, and so when my husband called me after that appointment I was like what and I just kind of <laughs> freaked out and um, you know we brought him for the MRI I think it was really the following week it was really quick um, and so we both went of course to that MRI it's a sedated MRI when they're that young um and so yeah so we went and then right away after we met with the same neurologist and he showed us the scan and he goes this is your son's brain and we're like okay there's a picture of his brain and he goes you know what brains typically look like and i was like no how would i know what a brain looks like so he's like well, let me just google for you what a typical brain scan looks like and he and he showed pulled it up on a screen next to my, our son and I mean, our son's hat was clearly very different. He had a lot of black spots all over um, mm. in the scan. And he said, this is the difference, you know, in the scan and your son has something called cerebral palsy. And we were like, what? I mean, it really kind of feels like the floor falls out the, below you because right. we, just, we just had no idea. Like we didn't notice anything. I just kind of thought, oh, you know, they're just going to look him over and tell us he's fine and we go right. on our way. Um, I'm not really like an overthinker and overworrier, so I really just didn't expect it at all. And so um, it was it was a pretty big shock. And he kind of explained like, uh, you're the, the based on these scans and the, the skills your son has now, he's not going to be if, if you hear cerebral palsy, a lot of people immediately think um, paraplegic and you know can't nonverbal or mm -hmm. really severe case and he's like that's not going to be your son so i i don't want you to go down that rabbit hole um he, that's not going to be your son and so he's like but this is going to be challenging and you know he really was lovely person this neurologist he had kids our kids ages he was really really gracious and kind mm -hmm. and i really appreciated that kind of skill in breaking news like this to us that makes um, such a difference yeah he was he was really wonderful um uh so yeah that kind of happened and it just from there changed changed our, our life <laughs> that day so had either you or your husband been exposed to or, or had any kind of experience with cp before that date no no none other than like generally hearing the term or you know something but no we we didn't have any 
experience with it. 10 months old. I just think about my son at that age and it, it, you're right. Like you wouldn't know because they're just, they're still babies, you know, and they're just yeah. they're developing. And so did it, did it become, were there things then that you noticed as your son grew older that were um, more obvious to you as a parent? Yes. It, I mean, it becomes pretty obvious right away when he's not crawling or walking. So, you know, when okay. he was at 10, when he was at 10 months, it was kind of that sweet spot of like, this is delayed from crawling. You know, a lot of times most babies are kind of crawling at that point. Um, but it still kind of felt like, oh, well, you know, not all kids crawl that fast. So, right. you know, it was kind of that right then. Um, so then as soon as we kind of dove into therapies and things like that, then you learn more about kind of his motor skills and a lot of his hand um, coordination of, of where it's lacking. But a lot of those early days of therapies were just mostly focused on getting him crawling. Um, they felt really, the, the, the physical therapist would explain to us that like the four point crawl is really important for brain development. Um, you know, instead of skipping to walking, that actually learning that kind of making those brain paths um, with crawling on all fours is really important. And so that was re a really big focus for the next, I don't know, four or five months. He started crawling very slowly, but started crawling at about 13 months old. Um, so that was kind of our first big milestone. So you talked about physical therapy is that the ongoing management or it, because it's not it's not something that is um like treatable right it's it's not right. reversible anything like that mm -hmm. so it's just what what does the ongoing management of the diagnosis look like yeah so exactly it's not it's not treatable there's not a cure um it also isn't progressive so whatever brain damage is there is there um it, the, okay. the brain damage itself doesn't get worse but what you notice as the body grows is how how it's impacted by this brain damage. So um, it was it, it physical therapy is huge, especially in those you know it's early intervention, just like with any kiddo um, that's delayed. It's so big for for kids to um, be doing early on. So we did a lot of physical therapy. We were going twice a week um, to Gillette. We, I feel really lucky that we live where we live because Gillette is a leading hospital system in the country for CP. Um, the therapists, the doctors, every neurologist, it's, it's really a specialty there. People travel from around the country to come to Gillette. Um, and so we feel really lucky that we live here in the Twin Cities to have access to such wonderful care. Um, sure. yeah. and so the, the physical therapists were amazing and, you know, really experienced. And so that really was a huge push at first. Um, we've really backed off physical therapy now once he's in school. Um, a lot of really physical therapy for him at this point is like climbing, jumping, running, like summertime kid stuff. It's really mm -hmm. like encouraging that physical movement and working on it. So um, 
even since he was a younger kiddo, we took time off in the summer from PT because his therapists were like, just take him to the lake, take him to the park. This is this is all you need to be doing. Sure. Um, but that's, of course, tough to do in the winters in Minnesota. So, right. Um, so, yes, ongoing physical therapy. Um, there's also occupational therapy. Um, his fine motor skills are strongly impacted. So his specific CP. So it, it of course, like I said before, can really vary. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of they diagnosed him as left hemiplegic, which means his left side is what is impacted. And so his left hand and his left leg, he he walks with a bit of a limp. He wears, um, they're called AFOs, um, braces on his legs. Um, and he kind of walks with a limp, um, but he can run, he can jump, he can play and do all these things. Um, but physically that leg is a bit of a bugger, especially if he gets really tired, the limp will become more prominent. Um, oh. And then his, his left hand, he, he just, the, the way I describe it is he just doesn't really want to use it. It's not tight. It's not tense. He doesn't hold it up tight against his body. The way his muscle tone is, a lot of uh, people with CP will have a really tight muscle tone. And that's where you'll see um, tightened fists and um, kind of like a clenched arm um, because of the muscle tone is impacted um, by their CP. His it's like he just kind of doesn't want to use it a lot. He always chooses to use his right. And if he's like coloring a paper or something, he has to be encouraged really to be like, okay, put put your left hand there to like hold the paper still, you know, while he colors oh, sure. with, with his with his right hand. So yeah. he like he he just he just kind of chooses not to use it unless he he really needs to. <laughs> um sure. and so that's been his diagnosis is left hemiplegic. His doctor, um, the doctor we see at Gillette she said really i she thinks all of his limbs are impacted technically because the brain damage is on both sides of his brain um but she's like we don't i don't want to diagnose him as quadriplegic because she's like that feels a little bit crazy to call this kiddo um quadriplegic when he's running jumping climbing going to school (laughs) doing all the things um but but it's just kind of his right hand you know, his fine motor skills are just delayed. He can write, he can color, it's just harder for him. And that's where something like occupational therapy comes in um, to really work on those skills. That's been a big thing since he was diagnosed of um, always working on things to strengthen his hands, all these little tricks. We had early intervention from the school district come in right away. And um, they would come to the house and do all these little activities. Um, always trying to get his hands to work together and and work on that fine motor. So occupational therapy is a big one. Um, And then speech therapy is another that he's done pretty much his whole life. Um, His speech was fairly delayed. Um, And now his speech, the his speech delay now is just kind of with pronunciation. There's just kind of some, he just kind of talks a little bit slower and not nearly as clear, but, you know, people don't have a hard time understanding him. It's just he just has to kind of slow down and work on his pronunciation when he's when he's talking. So it's kind of all those therapies, which are similar for any kiddo um, with delays. Um, it's the PTOT speech combo um, that I'm sure a lot of parents out there are doing, whether it's a kiddo with CP or not. Sure. He's seven years old, right, Dawson? Yes. Does he notice that he is different? 
Um, yes, he started to notice more in the last year or two. Um, I don't think he, he notices some, but just not all the time. Um, it really was hard for me when he started to notice his left hand didn't work as well, but it was also helpful because we could kind of explain it to him, you know, of mm. when he would get frustrated, but what he would do, what he started saying was, he, he called his left hand his sketchy hand. He says, my left, my sketchy hand, it's just not working right now. My sketchy hand. Oh, <laughs> yeah. cute. And so I was like, when he first started saying it the first couple of times, it was kind of like, oh my gosh. My poor <laughs> kid has to, has to say this about his hand. It was a little bit sad. But now it's like helpful that he can recognize that. Um, and something it kind of does too when he's working hard is it kind of shakes a little bit. Um, so he's lately been calling it his shaky hand. Um, but it is helpful to just be like, you know, this hand's not stronger and, you know, whatever. But he doesn't notice much else. He doesn't talk about his braces on his legs at this point. Um, he knows they help him run faster and, and longer. So he likes wearing them because he has more sure. stamina. He can, he can walk fine without them. It's just they help his feet from and legs from tiring out so quickly. Um, so things like that he hasn't really noticed yet. This year he was he was in kindergarten this year. We held him back a year to help him kind of catch up. Um, and he really didn't notice too much. At least he didn't come home. He didn't verbalize that to us. So I don't I don't know how much he is thinking about it, but um, just those little pieces of him struggling with like his leg shaking or his you know, shaky hand. Um, sure. And so I feel like that's going to be a challenge to come in, in especially in the next few years as he really, uh, you know, kindergartners are just all wild and crazy, right? So yeah. it's not a huge concern. <laughs> but I, you know, as socially things get more challenging, that's something I, I'm worried about of him navigating that as he gets older. Right, right. It's, it's, you know, kids have a lot to navigate without added challenges in their in their lives has he had any difficulty like relating to other kids his age or making friends or anything like that or from a social aspect is it, it everyone's pretty accepting and yeah yeah so he's struggled a little bit in that he gets really shy and he, if there's like for example the playground at school kids are running crazy and running everywhere um, and like screaming and you know he always hangs back he he gets very nervous he knows his limitations a lot almost a little too much he's, he's a very cautious kiddo um, and so he always tends to hang back because I think he's just very aware that he can't keep up with them and he I think it's very nervous he's gonna get knocked over um, on the playground and sure. so he's very hesitant to join in things like that. It was something they really worked on with him when he was in preschool through the, the district. We, he, it was, he had amazing uh, special ed team through early childhood special education in our district. And they were just really wonderful with trying to just give him more confidence to approach kids and like play with them, um, which, you know, is hard for preschoolers and kindergartners anyway, but it was, it's something they really worked on. And I think he really blossomed this year in kindergarten. Um, his teacher was really wonderful with helping encourage him. Um, 
to kind of get out there and, and not hang back. But I do think naturally his personality is more shy um, anyway, <laughs> VP or not. Sure. I think he is much more of a shy kid. Um, so, but the friends he does make, he has no problems with. He has um, just a couple of cute little close friends and, and they all play great together. So um, it's kind of that newer situation and approaching kiddos that he has a little bit harder time with. How has the CP impacted just your family's like day-to-day life? So he, Dawson wears braces. He probably has more appointments that you need to coordinate. Um, Is there anything else that it's really impacted in your family's life? Yeah. I mean, um, those are big things. I mean, I think any special needs parent experiences a lot of uh, just, work and stress over more appointments and evaluations is a big one. There's just always evals for different things. And they're really hard emotionally as a parent to to go through and go through results. And we have IEP meetings now. And um, so I would say there's, there's a lot of that emotional piece as a parent. Um, his brother is, you know, almost 10. Um, and I think something we struggle with a bit is you know, since his CP is a bit more mild, I think his brother, his brother loses patience with him. And Mm -hmm. I think he definitely is gracious with him and a really amazing older brother. But there are times when I just have to explain, like, you know, he doesn't understand this. And, you know, you have to give him a little bit more grace. And because it's not, it's not something that he majorly will be struggling with, or it's not like super obvious you know, right, to a kid. Right. So it's, it's like, you gotta kind of give some wiggle room there. So um, I think that's a little bit, I think his brother, as he's getting older now is, is really starting to understand more um, just kind of disabilities in general. We have a lot of kiddos with autism in our life. My closest friends all have um, kiddos with autism. So they're, you know, he's learning about these different disabilities and like what that means for each kid. And so kind of navigating, you know, life with his brother has been kind of the other piece of that. But, but a large part of it just as a parent, just kind of emotionally processing having a kid with a disability, since obviously, none of us expect or prepare in any way to to have this life. Right. And when you when you're imagining what your kids are going to be look like when they're older or when you're pregnant or whatever it's you don't imagine things like that and I can just that would be really uh, quite a shock and, and difficult to navigate through those feelings knowing that I think more than anything without having be, been in that position it would feel very much like you're already protective of your kid but it, it would just feel very uh, high gear like okay this kid's really going to need us to be his biggest cheerleaders and it would be mama bear mode times 10. (laughs) Yes and that's and that's exactly I mean especially at first um you know when you dive into all these therapies it really did burn me out um for a while because we were doing so much things it just kind of feels like you have to do all the things because maybe this one thing is going to change his future forever and it's going to make everything better. And so you're just kind of like 
searching and trying to literally do everything possible. Um, and so I think that like mom guilt that all moms feel, because I think every mom feels like they're probably, you know, failing in some way, right. but it's, it's really heightened with a kid with a disability because there's just so much out there and you just feel like, oh, maybe this thing is what's going to help you know, my kid be able to live on his own someday, which is just kind of crazy, you know, ridiculous to think of your like three year old, mm -hmm. but it's, it's really kind of a lot coming at you. So I, I kind of have these like few years of time that I just, I don't even, I was just so focused on all this stuff for him and all of his appointments and therapies. And I just had to take a step back and honestly, COVID kind of helped that because we didn't have a choice. And it was just kind of like, okay, you know, we can just enjoy our kid and, be the parents that we are and just kind of, um, you know, enjoy his life instead of just always looking to the next thing and always yeah. trying to fix things, um, which, which can be an, an easy trap to follow. And honestly, um, other moms are like the biggest thing, especially at first. I mean, that's where social media came into play huge for me because again I didn't know anyone with the kid with CP I didn't even know what it was I had no idea like I just constantly wanted to find like what his future looked like and trying mm -hmm. to like find other moms that were going through the same thing and and I found that you know I found a lot of I follow a lot of moms on Instagram who have same kids my son's age I connected with a mom on Facebook she lives across the country but her daughter was the same age similar diagnosis and she was a huge support to me those first couple of years as we kind of experienced it together just through chatting online and the daily struggles. And mm -hmm. so I think that's a huge piece is finding at least one other mom <laughs> that can help you navigate this. And sure. then, you know, other moms, you know, there's, there's lots of autism moms um, out there since that's become um, so much more common. And so my closest friends locally, um, have kiddos with autism and they help me navigate the like state like funding like helping getting it it's just a crazy process to try and like get help for your kid and get really? it covered um it's just it's really a horrible process and one of my one of my best friends from childhood her son was diagnosed with autism just a couple years back and kind of walking her through all this has just been like oh my gosh, I just, this was so awful when I went through it. And now I'm trying to help other moms through just not only the logistics of appointments and paperwork, but just emotionally, you know, supporting someone and, um, you know, having it be one of my closest friends um, is, is something I want to like try and help support her through. So I think just like the moms is just like, they're my support. I try to be support to others. And it really is kind of what gets you through, I think, for all parenting, um, too. That's that's relevant. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right on. On the flip side of that, anything unhelpful, any um, offensive questions, anything, anything that you would want to call out like, hey, don't don't do this to a mom or a family or, you know, someone, yeah. someone who's supporting a, a child with CP. Yeah. Honestly, I haven't had that very much because I think um, CP is very different in that it's the diagnosis is very clear. They did a brain scan. 
they said, this is what it is. Um, I know a lot of people struggle with that with autism because it can be such a long process for diagnosis. And some people are like, no, they don't. Yes, they do. You know, have you tried this food and blah, blah, blah. Like there's all these, there's like so much more controversy surrounding that. And I don't experience that really at all because it's really straightforward. I think people are less familiar. So like people don't have any weird opinions (laughs) about it. Um, And so I've honestly, it's been really great. One of the first things I did when uh, he was diagnosed was I did a Facebook post and I wanted all, I wanted all my friends and family to know. I had such a hard time talking about it that first you know, year, I couldn't talk about it without crying. I mean, it was just awful. And I just wanted everybody to know because I didn't want to have to like slowly tell people and have to have this conversation a million times. I just wanted everybody to know and then I could keep them posted. And then it was an amazing support I had in all my friends and family, checking in, seeing how it was going or commenting on my pictures from therapy. Um, I never felt offended by any questions and I still really don't um, because I want people to know about it and I want people to ask. I'd rather, I would rather people ask than be scared about something or, you know, feel like they need to tiptoe around it because I'm happy to talk about it. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I prefer that to educate everyone and just to let them know about our life. You know, I don't, I don't want to keep it a secret. So um, I just, I I don't have, anybody can ask me anything. I don't get offended by any of the questions surrounding CP. Um, And so that's been my personal experience. Other people might feel differently, of course, but my personal experience has been like that. That's great. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Okay, Anya, one last question before I wrap things up here. What is your favorite part of being a mom? Um, I, I really enjoy experiencing new things through my kids' eyes, um, seeing them have fun or like discovering new things and, and getting joy from it. We've got a lot of that from traveling with our kids. Um, I just love that experience. I'm, I feel like I'm not like, I was never the type of person who was like desperate to have kids. I didn't. I wasn't always imagining myself as a mom. It was just it was something I always assumed I would do <laughs> type of thing, but not like I was never this person that was like, you know, I'm going to be a mom and super, right. in, you know, um, I'm not a stay at home parent. It's just not my strength or desire. Um, but there are, of course, all these amazing things about being a mom. But I think that's one of them is, um, just kind of seeing them discover new things, especially when it's just the silliest thing and they see it and they're just like, did you know this? And it's like, yeah, (laughs) it's it's just really fun to see them like learn new things and get joy out of those things. That's a good answer. I like that. Very cool. (laughs) Anya, I feel like I learned a lot from our short conversation. Is there anything (laughs) that you wanted to share that I didn't specifically ask you about? Um, I don't think so. I think I'll, one thing I wanted to just mention with um, my son's milestones, I didn't know if anyone would be curious, but just that he started walking right about when he turned two. Um, and that was a big um, milestone for us because we just, when he first was diagnosed, we, was, we weren't sure if it would happen. Uh-huh. Um, 
And so that was a big deal for us. And then also, I just want to add that the di getting diagnosed for CP isn't always so quickly. Um, a lot of times kids will show the symptoms um, and they won't do a brain scan right away. They'll wait till they're a little bit older. Um, our neurologist was concerned about a potential brain tumor. So we got rushed in, which I didn't know for a long time that that's oh. not all the experience of um, a parent. So there may be other parents commonly have to kind of wait and guess for a while. Um, and so one piece of ours was, I guess we, we, the downside was the shock because we had no idea, but the upside was we immediately knew there wasn't, there wasn't guessing and wondering, um, as he grew. So, um, every diagnosis experience, I think for any kiddo with a disability can vary, but for us, it was, it was really quick. So I just wanted, didn't want everyone to think that that's kind of how it always goes, that you immediately get rushed to an MRI. It can, it can take a bit. To, to get a final diagnosis. Yeah, good good call out. I I obviously wouldn't have known any different. And and you're right, from from the start to the end of that, it was what, two or three weeks? That is exactly. Crazy. It was very, very fast. And the whole time you were thinking, you know, nothing I mean, not the whole time, but you don't go into those. Everyone's had that conversation about something with their kid. Like, hey, you yeah. should probably mention this the next time you go in. Or, hey, you know, I, I just, the last time I took my kid in, someone had said, you know, he kind of runs with like one of his feet is turned inward. Just, you know, mention it to the pediatrician and, and get it checked out. And so you don't go into those conversations thinking there's anything wrong. Exactly. It's it's like there there is. Yeah, exactly. There's always these like little things that you're kind of like, whatever. Um, I'll talk to them about it. I know some parents can stress a lot, but over things, but like, I just was kind of like, okay, you know, but it, then I just felt ridiculous that I felt so laid back about it because of when we got the diagnosis, I was like, okay, I did not see that coming. So, right. Um, so, so yeah. Cool. Well, Anya, you've been uh, very informative, and I think that Dawson is just a lucky little guy to have you as his mom, and I thank you for being so open and sharing your story with me and a bunch of strangers. Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much for having me on and <laughs> listening to me ramble about it. <laughs> I could listen to you ramble a lot more. There's uh, a lot of interesting things to, to talk about, but I, I, I truly appreciate it. And to all the listeners, thank you for joining as well. I invite you to tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.